Hey, you're listening to the Recipe Listen Podcast, a slow podcast about food for the people that love it. I'm your host, Happy Katie, and today we're diving into a most ubiquitous ingredient. Equally at home in a pie or a sandwich or a sauce, let's channel those most delicious memories of the humble tomato. To center us in this delicious piece of produce, you'll be listening to selections from a book in the public domain called The Tomato by Paul Work. Then we'll pick some juicy tomato recipe ingredient lists to wander through. Sounds like a swell plan to me. Let's turn the page and get going. Thanks for joining us on Recipe Listen. Our first segment involves a visit with a nerdy little botany and business book from the Project Gutenberg Library, entitled The Tomato by Paul Work. This book was published by the Orange Judd Publishing Company in 1945. We begin with the introduction of the tomato. Why should there be a book on tomatoes? The world is so full of bulletins of experiment stations of articles and periodicals, and of general books on vegetables which include discussion of tomatoes. An incomplete set of tomato bulletins includes over 350 documents. Many of these are no longer available. Many are of no great value, but contribute this or that small item. The task of a book like this is to offer between two covers a summary of what seemed the most significant facts and opinions about the third most important vegetable crop in the United States. The tomato is one of the most rewarding crops for the home garden. A little space yields heavily, from half a peck to a peck per plant without difficulty. It grows well practically everywhere in the States, affording high nutritional values whether used fresh or canned. And people do like tomatoes, whether a salad, cooked vegetable, or condiment. Competition among growers and among districts makes three elements necessary for commercial success. Quality in the goods, economy in production, and effectiveness in marketing. The grower must know his plant, what it is like and how it behaves under various conditions and treatments. Then he needs an understanding of the economic factors that surround his enterprise. Conditions in various sections and production for various purposes are so diverse that dogmatic statement and general advice are precluded. The aim is rather by means of available information to help the reader to an understanding that will enable him to answer his own questions for his own conditions and this far better than any broad prescription could possibly do. Principles, possible practices, and examples of field programs are offered as guides for self-help, for home, school, hobby, as well as commercial production. A person who studies on this basis will not be thwarted by a sudden shift of weather or market, but will have at hand the necessary facts and ideas to adjust his plan to changed conditions. No attempt has been made toward complete citation of reference. 
Those given will lead to others, making possible a full survey of the extensive literature on the tomato. Chapter 1 of The Tomato is entitled, The Tomato is a Great Food and Crop Plant. Vegetable, fruit, or berry, what is the tomato? A standard query this is, and many an argument has raged about it. The answer is easy, it is all three. By culture and use, it is a vegetable. Botanically, it is a fruit, and among the fruits, it is a berry being indehiscent, non-shedding, pulpy with one or more seeds that are not stones. And they say the tomato is more truly a berry than the raspberry. But that doesn't make much difference. The thing that matters is that people like the tomato. It is easy to grow and nearly every home garden has it. It is good to look upon, shapely, colorful, and of glossy sheen, a trained single-stem plant with ripening fruit is a genuine ornament in the garden. It is most gratifying to the palate, fresh or cooked, soft and grainy, smooth and juicy in texture, sweet and tart, and with an appealing flavor all of its own that few fail to relish. As juice or cocktail, adding color and flavor to soup, as condiment or a side dish with the entree, a salad freshly sliced or in gel, it is welcome with almost every course, and some ingenious chef, or more likely some clever housewife, will one of these days fashion from it the dessert supreme. Nor have we existed the list of forms in which the tomato may be served. In addition to its simplest cooked form, stewed or turned hot from the can, it may also be baked, stuffed or not, or it may be escalloped and cooked with rice, spaghetti, or other foods. Fried before fully ripe and served with brown gravy is popular in many a home. Ketchup or catsup is one of our most widely used condiments. And chili sauce, many like even better. Green tomato pickles, chow chow, piccalilli, carry the piquant tang of the tomato to enliven the winter table. And tomato juice, plain or dressed up with spices, vinegar or lemon juice, has become a great staple of our groceries, a standard send-off for any meal from breakfast snatched on the morning sprint to work on to the most elaborate of banquets. The tomato, by reason of its natural acidity, is readily sterilized and so can be preserved easily in glass or tin. It ranks first among the big three canned vegetables, the other two being sweet corn and peas. By far, the great bulk that goes to the factory is put up with the addition of nothing more than salt. In addition to the condiments, puree and paste are manufactured in commercial quantities. The Italians dried tomatoes extensively in the sun, slicing the fruits and later flavoring them to taste for various winter uses. Though the tomato was not recognized as a valuable food until about a century ago, its merit is now universally accepted. Bob Adams used to call it the poor man's orange, for it is rich in vitamins and in malic and citric acid 
possessing besides a fine appetizing flavor, which is as truly a value in nutrition as it is a pleasure. Actually, the tomato is mostly water, of rather low protein and carbohydrate content, but this does not detract, for other foods are dependable for these staples of nutrition, and most of us eat too much of them. The tomato is a youngster among the vegetables, in contrast to the onion of Egyptian lore and the cucumber reputed to have been used in Western Asia many centuries ago. The tomato is not reported until the herbalists of the 16th century recorded its culture in Italy and England, but with little of the esteem now accorded. The name seems to be of Aztec origin, and two distinct wild forms, one corresponding to our cherry or currant varieties, and the other to our larger, flatter, less regular fruits of many cells, are to be found wild in Latin America. Its American origin is generally accepted. Commercially, the tomato is a great crop, and among the vegetables, it is outranked only by the potato and sweet potato. Chapter 3 of the tomato is entitled, The Best in Seed is None Too Good. Here we'll be dipping in to the author Paul Work's commentary on modern tomato varieties. Let's begin. Earliana. The earliness of this old and popular variety outweighs its demerits where this character is required. The past 10 years have seen material improvement. Earliana is early, of small vine with small leaves and leaflets. Clusters are compoundly branched with many fruits. The fruits are of medium size, deep oblate, cross-section often elliptical rather than circular. There are many rough irregular fruits, varying in this respect with breeding and conditions of growth. Color is red, not too deep, intending to be poorly developed at the stem end. The interior consists of many small cells with thin walls. Bison. This represents a group of varieties bred for rigorous climates of our most northerly states. A.F. Yeager, formerly of North Dakota, later of Michigan, now of New Hampshire, has led in this development. Victor. This is a new variety, bred originally by Jaeger, but introduced by K.C. Barons of Michigan. It affords smoother, deeper, and better colored fruits about as early as Earliana. It is determinate in habit and shy in foliage, increasing danger of sunscald. Rich soil and ample moisture are needed for its best development. Bounty and home garden are similar. Penn State. This variety, developed by C.E. Myers of Pennsylvania, is not as early as Earliana. It is similar in fruit characters, though distinctly better in color and shape. It is marked by short branches and is designed to give an early crop to be followed by prompt abandonment of the planting. It is not to be confused with Penn State Earliana. Bonnie Group. This group embraces our leading second early varieties widely used for home garden, greenhouse, market, and cannery in the north. 
It includes Bonnie Best, John Bayer, and Chalk Jewel, with many additional names and with much confusion of characters among them. Bonnie Best is second early and of medium plant growth. Fruits are deep oblate to flattened globe, even and smooth, of good red color, with few large thick-walled cells. Varieties and strains of this group vary in growth and yield, in size, shape, and earliness of fruit, and in suitability for greenhouse, market, cannery, and juice. Stokesdale and Scarlet Dawn are meritorious newer names in the group. Marglobe. This variety was developed by the late Dr. F.J. Pritchard from a cross between Marvel, a French variety lending resistance to Fusarium, and Globe, an old variety of fine size and shape. It is widely used north and south for market, green or ripe, for cannery, and to some extent for forcing. Marglobe is a mid-season variety with large vine and foliage, resistant to fusarium and nailhead spot. Fruits are nearly globular, shapely and smooth, medium to large, scarlet red with medium number of thick-walled cells. Marglobe is rather subject to deep radial cracks. Pritchard is of the general type of marglobe, but is earlier, with short branching habit and resistance to nailhead rust and to fusarium, and perhaps is less subject to cracking. Greater Baltimore is used chiefly for canning in long season districts. It is late with large vine, large flat fruits of excellent scarlet red outside and in, with many thick walled cells. Indiana Baltimore is a variant widely grown in the Midwest for cannery. Rutgers was developed by L.G. Schirmerhorn at the New Jersey Experiment Station for fine juice and canning characters, color, flavor, and substance. Growth is vigorous and yields are heavy. Fruits are large, flattened, and well-colored. Gulf State Market is a second early shipping tomato, generally harvested green. It is flattened in shape, of well-developed pink color and good interior. Comet Group These trace mostly to English or other European origin and are increasingly used for greenhouse and for staking out of doors. Comet is small, flattened, slightly corrugated about the stem, a fine, even red color, very firm and solid, with very few thick-walled cells. Other names are Sunrise and Lord Roberts. Several American forcing strains have been developed with at least one parent of this group. Ideal, Grand Rapids Forcing, Field Station Comet, Trellis, Michigan State Forcing, Lloyd Forcing, Blaired Forcing, and others. King Humbert and San Marzano represent the small Italian oblong tomatoes that are prized for their thick walls, fine color, and suitability for puree, paste, and soup. Ponderosa is popular for home garden, a beefsteak tomato of very large size, irregular shape, flat, pink with many small cells, and a very mild subacid flavor. It is best grown to single stem. 
Ox heart is large, heart-shaped, pink, and very meaty. Others of this general type may be had in red, yellow, and orange flesh. Oddities. Tomato fanciers often plant seed of red and yellow pear, cherry, currant, peach with its fuzzy skin, plum, and others. They are prized for preserves and for decoration. Ground cherry or husk tomato is not a true tomato, but belongs to a different genus. It makes excellent preserves. Well do I remember sneaking off from the other kids for solitary plunder of the little row that was usually in Grandma's garden. Comprehensive descriptions of leading varieties of tomatoes have been published by the United States Department of Agriculture, the result of statistical and verbal notations over several years at five widely scattered stations across the country. All right, let's shift gears a bit and slip those tomatoes into something a little more edible. And just because I can, we're gonna focus on tomato pies. Have you had a nice savory steaming slice of tomato pie before? Paired with a fresh herby green salad, that pie tastes like summertime on steroids to me. And as always, out of respect for the hard work that our favorite chefs and cookbook authors have put into their recipe development, we'll read only the colorful ingredient list together. We'll link directly to each recipe on our site, recipelisten.com, so you can explore those recipes further and earmark them to create later. Our first recipe is tomato pie with blue cheese biscuits from the delightful Joy the Baker's website. Your ingredients are two cups of all-purpose flour, one tablespoon baking powder, one quarter teaspoon baking soda, one tablespoon granulated sugar, one half teaspoon kosher salt, one half teaspoon fresh cracked black pepper, three tablespoons of unsalted butter, cold and cut into cubes, three tablespoons of vegetable shortening, cold and cut into cubes, or you can substitute unsalted butter here, one half cup of blue trees crumbles, one half to three quarters cup cold buttermilk, two tablespoons of olive oil, one tablespoon of unsalted butter, one large onion sliced thin, two cloves of garlic minced, two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar or red wine vinegar, two pounds of cherry tomatoes, one cup of coarsely chopped basil, or a combination of chopped fresh thyme, oregano, and parsley. Three tablespoons of all-purpose flour, one half teaspoon of red pepper flakes, salt, and coarsely ground black pepper. Cherry Whiskey Braised Duck Tomato Pie with Popcorn Dust Frico. This recipe is found on the Delish website and it contains 54 ingredients. I picked this one because I had absolutely no idea what it meant, and having read the recipe and looked at the photos, I still am a little confused, but hopefully you try it out. 
one half teaspoon kosher salt, one quarter teaspoon ground white pepper, one quarter teaspoon allspice, one eighth teaspoon ground ginger, one eighth teaspoon cayenne pepper, one pound of Maple Leaf Farms duck breast meat trim, one tablespoon Maple Leaf Farms all natural rendered duck fat, one half sweet yellow onion sliced, one sprig of fresh rosemary, one half cup cherry pie whiskey liqueur, one half cup cherry juice, one half cup chicken stock, one half teaspoon pecan liquid smoke, one quarter pound Maple Leaf Farms all natural ground duck sausage, one and one quarter cup of all purpose baking mix, one teaspoon of rub sage, one half teaspoon of thyme, three tablespoons of butter cubed, three tablespoons of heavy cream, three tablespoons of sour cream, one half cup of shredded sharp cheddar, one tablespoon of butter, one half sweet yellow onion roughly chopped, four ounces of tricolor mini bell peppers roughly chopped, one serrano pepper seeded and chopped, one tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce, one tablespoon of cherry pie whiskey liqueur, one tablespoon balsamic vinegar, one tablespoon of brown sugar, one half teaspoon of kosher salt, one quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, two thirds cups of shredded sharp cheddar, one third cup freshly grated Parmesan, one quarter cup whole milk ricotta, one quarter cup mayonnaise, one quarter cup sour cream, two teaspoons of dried Jamaica jerk seasoning, one teaspoon of dried basil, one half teaspoon granulated garlic powder, 10 ounces of heirloom multicolor cherry tomatoes, one tablespoon of extra virgin olive oil, one teaspoon of smoked sea salt, one half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one tablespoon of cornstarch, one cup of popped popcorn unsalted, two teaspoons of melted butter, two thirds cup of freshly grated Parmesan, one tablespoon of tuxedo sesame seeds, one cup of peanut or pure vegetable oil, eight large fresh basil leaves, one tablespoon of reserved braising liquid, and smoked sea salt to taste. Cheesy Tomato Pie. This recipe is found on the Food 52 website. Your ingredients are one and three quarter cups of all-purpose flour, one and one half cups of finely grated dry jack cheese divided, one quarter teaspoon of kosher salt, three quarters cup of cold unsalted butter cut into one half inch cubes, one quarter cup of ice water plus more as needed, one large egg white, five large heirloom tomatoes thickly sliced, two tablespoons of unsalted butter, one sweet onion, 
thinly sliced. Two cloves of garlic, minced. One half teaspoon of salt. One half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper. One cup of mascarpone cheese. One cup of grated mozzarella cheese. One large egg. One large egg yolk, and salt as needed. Amish tomato pie. This recipe is found on allrecipes.com. Your ingredients are one recipe for pastry for a nine-inch pie crust, two pounds of heirloom tomatoes, one pound of Roma tomatoes, one cup of diced raw bacon, one half cup of sliced leeks. Two cups of grated white cheddar cheese, one half cup of grated fontina cheese, one half cup of mayonnaise, one half cup of fresh basil torn into small pieces, one egg, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, one pinch of salt, and ground black pepper to taste. And that, my friend, was our brief escapist reflection on the vegetable fruit berry known as the tomato. Those juicy red, yellow, orange, and green orbs that grow in our gardens, grace our pizzas, and beg for a light sprinkle of flaky Maldon sea salt. Thanks for joining the Recipe Listen podcast. For episode requests or to have one of your recipes featured on the show, hit us up at recipelisten.com. Whatever you're cooking, I hope it's delicious.